We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in fulfillment of the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
Stands a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. I said about my feet, you can't stay here. Stand a chance when I stand in your love and my 
doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love and my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love Strength. Worthy is the Lamb of 
is the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. I just like, the Lord is showing me the Olympics and how they trained their whole life to be there at that moment. And their families are proud of them. Their countries are proud of them. They have banners over them. And I hear him saying, you are my athlete. Uh, his banner over you is love. He is proud of you. He is excited for you. And we can go and conquer great things. You can be the one who's in his Olympics. The ones who go and they free his people. The one who go and reap the harvest. He is calling you forth. He is proud of you. His banner over you is love. And the funny thing about the Lord is he works backwards. You didn't have to train your whole life for this moment. He says, come now and I will send you out. The tax collectors came in and they did great things for the Lord. You don't have to train your whole life. Right now you can start and you can be that Olympic champion for the Lord. And he just says, my banner over you is love. He is proud of you. He knows that you have worked hard for where you are. No time is wasted with the Lord. No training you do with him, no training you do in the word is wasted. He wants to use you. Are you ready? Will you go out for your country? Will you stand up for your family? He is calling you forth. Amen. Hallelujah. He is so good. Lord, we thank you that your banner over us is love. That you see us, Father. What an upside down kingdom where we praise him and he comes down. The Bible says his word, he inhabits our praise. So as we are lifting him up, he's coming to meet us right where we are. We love you, Lord. Glory and praise.
The word says that all of heaven and all those who are on the earth and all that were under the earth were searched and none was found worthy save the lamb. Only Jesus was found worthy to open the scroll. Only Jesus was found worthy to carry out the plan of God. Only one had paid the price. Only one was sinless. Only one was able to bring reconciliation between man and God because of his blood. And so when we sing, worthy are you, Lord, worthy is your praise, and so on, we're singing literally that there's only one person who is able to make us sinless before the Father. Without him, we had no hope. Being strangers of the covenants, we had no hope of being with him, of being reconciled to God. And so we say, worthy is the lamb, for he was the only one that was able to carry out the plan of God. Amen.
teacher at that back door, go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening, or this morning, this morning. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Everybody happy to be here today? Anybody? Okay, I hope so. David said that he was glad when they said to him, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. So I'm always glad to come here. I hope you are too. Live streamers, it's good to have you. By the way, everybody knows Katie, right? I think it's her birthday today. So hi, Katie. I hope you're watching this morning. Happy birthday, Katie. We miss you. Hope you're doing well. Um, I know the checking in kids and kids church. We'll give them a second to get back up here and we'll take up tithe and offering. So if you do have something to give, you can prepare that offering envelopes in the chair in front of you. Or if there's not one there, you can wave your hand around and one of the ushers will help you out. But we give in continuation of our worship and we give because the tithe is holy unto the Lord and we give because God is our provider. And we are learning not only to depend upon him, but we're learning to be givers as he is a giver. Here, here's the thing. If, if, uh, 
If you don't grow into a person that you're willing to give of material things, you'll never be one who gives of other things either. Because material things can grab hold of you, you know what I'm saying? And it becomes a focus, it becomes a goal, it becomes achievements, becomes, in other words, you fall into this trap that whoever dies with the most toys wins kind of thing. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. That, that's not what life's about. Jesus said life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Amen. Amen. So one of the reasons that we're taught to give is so greed is not gripping our life. And you see, God provides seed to the sower. But who is he supplying seed to? The sower. And I don't know about you, if you ever sown something, it means you don't keep it. You, you're sowing. You're doing something with what God has given you. So he teaches us in tithe, but, but the tithe teaches you to do what's right with the rest of the 90% that you don't tithe. See what I'm saying? So when we give, we are just constantly affirming that God is our provider and that greed is not going to grip our lives. We're not going to chase it. But as God supplies, he increases it. We are people who do with what he increases as he asks us to do. Amen. And that's what we're doing in the life of faith as we give. So, Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to give this morning. And, and I pray as we give, it's, it's honorable to you, it's pleasing to you, it's part of our worship today, Lord. But grow us, change us. We become people who are in your image. That as you have freely given, so we are the same kind. And we thank you for teaching us a better way. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Bring it on down. If you have something while you're doing that, I do have... A handful of announcements. I apologize. I hate doing announcements, but I do have some things to tell you. So don't forget, every Monday night from 6 to 7, right here we have churchwide prayer. Uh, we are taking the month of July off, so we have the month of May, taking the month of July, or I'm sorry, June, taking the month of June off. Maybe July too, we'll talk about that. But um, well, maybe I said it for a reason, right? It's just kind of. All right, so, uh, but we do have church-wide prayer tomorrow from 6 to 7. Uh, we are right now putting together a team to help run our sound in the building. So if you're interested in being part of a sound team, you think you have a good ear for it, sign up in the back, and uh, we'll do some training and all that business. And it's one of our dream teams that we're getting going. By the way, we have many dream teams here in church, whether it's the, the worship team, greeters, kids' church, all sorts of stuff. So if you're not a part of a dream team, you're interested in that, let me know, and we'll get you connected. Uh, also, water baptism. If you are saved, but you've never been water baptized in accordance to the scriptures, we are uh, having a water baptism, I believe, the first Sunday in June, which is a month from today. If you've never been water baptized and you're interested in being wa water baptized, there's a sign-up sheet at the back table. If you sign up, I'll contact you. We'll talk about it. But water baptism is the outward witness and expression of what Jesus has done on the inside of you. Amen. It's a community witness, and we do it as a church together because we believe in what Jesus is doing in new creation in us. So it's old man, baptism coming up, new man. That's some symbolism of what it's about. So if you have not been water baptized, it's something that Jesus commands. Sign up at the back table, and we'll go from there. Um, let's see. Oh, the back table. Real quick, a couple of uh, cards to make you aware of. We've got some new prayer cards. So uh, if, if you have prayer requests on the back table— it's pretty easy. It said prayer right on it. Okay. 
turn that thing over, put your name, write your prayer request, get it to me, and I'll be sure to keep it in prayer. If you'd like, we can turn it over to the Monday Night Prayer Crew. But we, we want to pray with you, help bear your burdens. It's one step in what we do as a family of faith, so do that. But on the other end of it, if you have a praise report, that's easy. It says praise on it, okay? So go ahead and put your name on it. And, and most likely, I'd love you to share about it, but this is like a first step of letting me know about it. And so turn that into me. So prayer and praise. And also, uh, if you have people that you're connected to that don't go to church and you'd like to invite them here, there's these little invite cards back there that simply say you're invited, okay? It has church information on the back. They're also back there, so take a bunch of these, hand it out. Uh, you know, I know people take them and scatter them out, but the best way to do this is invite somebody you know and say, I'll meet you there. Okay, and prayerfully invite people to church. And uh, as long as we got room in the place, we're looking to invite people out to church. Amen? And last but not least, if you're new with us today or recently new with us, if you haven't filled out uh, a Connect card, please fill that out. They're on the chair in front of you. And this is just uh, letting me know your information. I promise you I'm not going to bomb you with mail and phone calls and all that kind of stuff. It's just a connection to us. And uh, so if you're new or recently new, please fill that out and also get that to me. That will help us out. That's it, thankfully. All right, if you got your Bibles, the book of Luke and chapter 24. We're just taking two weeks. Last week and today, I just uh, want to take a couple weeks and talk about the ascension of Jesus. Um, so, so obviously, we're, we're following up Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday a couple weeks ago, and we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. If Jesus was not raised from the dead and the power of the Spirit, then our preaching is in vain. Amen. So we believe in the resurrection of Jesus and a bodily, physical resurrection. He was crucified. He died physically. I'm getting a little feedback up here, Chris, if you would. Thank you. Jesus died physically on the cross. Good Friday. The power of sin was taken to the cross and defeated at the cross. Jesus bore our sins in his body on the tree. Amen. The enemy was judged at the cross. By the way, the devil was judged at the cross. All sorts of things happened at the cross. But then that wasn't the end of the story. We didn't have a good Friday service and then get back to the stuff on, on Sunday. No, we believe then on the third day that Jesus rose from dead. He was crucified physically, and he physically rose from the dead. But then Jesus appeared to many and, and, and showed himself, even doubting Thomas. Remember Thomas who doubted? And Jesus said, go ahead and touch my body and, and renew your hope and your faith in what I have said is going to happen, and Thomas did so. Jesus appeared to many, miracles, uh, reconfirmed Peter after denials, all these things that we see in the scriptures and much more we probably don't see there. But then what happened to Jesus? What's he, what did he do? Obviously, he's not here right now, is he? Um, I wasn't down at Walmart last week. Oh, hey, there's Jesus. He's down there buying dog food. I didn't know he had a dog. You know, and it, he's not hanging around somewhere. What happened to Jesus? Well, the Bible says that he ascended. So let's read about that. And we'll talk about what that means. So Luke chapter 24 and verse number 49. Picking up uh, mid-thought mid here with Jesus. It says, Then behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, talking about the Holy Spirit, 
but stay in the city until you are clothed with power upon high. Now, we know that is fulfilled in Acts chapter 2. And verse 50, And he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into where? Into heaven. Now, what's interesting about that is when Jesus died, now, now where is the Father at? In heaven, right? Remember when Jesus died, he rose from the dead, and, and the women went to class, and he, he said, hey, don't touch me. I haven't been to the Father yet. So at this point, Jesus, in his death, he, he didn't go to heaven. He, he went to Abraham's bosom, and the whole deal that happened there, we'll talk about that another day. But at this point, Jesus had not gone to heaven yet, okay? But at this point... He parted from them and was carried into heaven. Verse 52, and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So Jesus physically left the earth. And it happened in such a way that those that were there and those that knew him didn't wonder, well, where did Jesus go? Is he hanging out? Did he go back to Galilee? Maybe he stayed in Jerusalem. Maybe he's, maybe he's making a, a voyage to, to Rome itself to, to declare himself. No. They saw in such a way they knew that he physically left. So whatever it exactly looked like, it doesn't explain but necessarily the details of it. But Jesus left, and he bodily ascended into heaven. Whereas we talked last week, he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the scripture confirms that. And that's very symbolic that Jesus is in power, he's in authority. In other words, as the Bible says, we were talking last week, that all things are in submission to him. Every power, every authority, everything that is seen, everything that is unseen, in heaven, earth, and under the earth, all things are in submission to the authority of Jesus. And you must say amen. Thank you. What does that mean? This is what we talked about last week. That means in the activity of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about in a minute, greater is he that is where? In me me than he that is where? There is no power. There is no authority. There is nothing that is greater than the authority of Jesus Christ and greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. That should encourage you. That should give you confidence. That means no matter what you face today, what you face next week, what you face in five years, Nothing is greater than he that is in you and with you. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Power and authority. Now, a couple of things we talked about last week. I won't go back into it, just a reminder. That it, at the right hand of the Father, Jesus is constantly mediating for us, and he is our intercessor. That's what the scriptures say. If you weren't here last week, you can jump on the, the live stream and watch that. But Jesus is the way to the Father, the way, the truth, and the life, and that doesn't stop. That's why you pray in whose name? Jesus' name, right? We pray in Jesus' name because Jesus is constantly our mediator, and the Bible says that he is our intercessor. He intercedes for us. What greater thing that we have than the intercession of Jesus on our behalf? Amen. Now, today, at the right hand of the Father... One of the things that we discover about those that follow Jesus is what we just read. Let's go back to Luke chapter 24 and verse 52. 
Notice that right after he ascended, he, right before that he blessed them, he parted from them. And what did they do in immediate response to that? And they worshipped him. And they worshipped him. Now, this is sort of very big important. Now, we're sitting at the end of 2,000 years of church and theology and, and, and grounding. So when we say we worship Jesus, that's not a really big deal for us to say that. But in its time, this was huge. Okay? The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6, 4, you don't have to go there. But it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Right? Isn't that true? God is one. So the Jewish people learn to worship and grow and have right relationship with a God who is one. But then Jesus comes, and he declares himself at different points to be the son of God, right? And we see, we see kind of a workiness because when he was born, remember the wise men from the east come to worship the king of the Jews. Now, they, they saw this in some sort of astronomy, which the Bible actually uh, says you're not supposed to do, but they discovered something about him in that. And they go to worship the king of the Jews. But understand this. When they saw that, they didn't go, oh, my goodness. The second person in the Trinity came to the earth. Let's go worship him. That, that's not what they're thinking. They're, they're just starting to understand things about him. The, the king of the Jews. What does that mean? Let's go find him and worship him. Remember, after Jesus rose from the dead, the women that, that had gone to the tomb, they, they find Jesus. And the Bible says that they, they went to worship him. They went to clasp his feet and worship him. What we're seeing in the scriptures is a continual revelation about who this Jesus is. And this whole idea, here is the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We're beginning to learn that there's something happening here that we end up calling in church theology the Trinity. Three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and when Jesus ascends, there's a resurrection. He ascends right before them. Things are starting to click for people to understand that this Jesus is worthy of our worship. Now, again, we're at the end of 2,000 years of, of learning this and standing in theology that the early church figured out and, and kind of pieced things together. But this is big. That at the right hand of the Father, that they, they see this in Revelation, at the right hand of the Father, the worship due God that we discover in the Old Testament scriptures is also worship due to Jesus. Because we believe in the activity of, of Father the activity of Son, and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Three in one, three distinct personalities, and working but one together in unity. That's one of the paradoxes of the Christian faith, by the way. But our worship of Jesus is a result of the fact that we have confirmed, as the Scriptures testify, that who he claimed to be through the inauguration of the kingdom and his teaching and his miracles, then he was crucified. It seemed like all hope was lost, but then he was raised from the dead. We believe in the witness of the scriptures that he rose from the dead, and we believe in the witness of the scriptures that he ascended into heaven and is now worthy of our worship. If you notice in the early church, not only did they begin to worship him, but they began to witness of him. 
to share the gospel, the good news of freedom and new life and the forgiveness of sins. They began to proclaim it. The fulfillment of Israel's story, the, the, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and all the things that they led to is Jesus. It is God in flesh that came to save us. They began to pray in his name. They believed in the authority of the name of Jesus. They began to meet in his name, gather in the name of Jesus, and began to teach and fellowship and partake of, of communion together, which we will do at the end of the service today, as witness to what the cross meant to them. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 6. If you've got your Bibles, you can go there. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 6. This, this is actually, they say, is actually a part of what we consider a, a hymn in the early church, and Paul incorporates it into his letter to the church in Philippi. Verse 6, picking up mid-sentence here, it says, Who though he was in the form of God, this is Jesus, not counting equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, and by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, again, God in flesh, the incarnation, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now watch this. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Now watch this. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven, on earth, and under your earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is who? He's Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Paul confirming the authority of Jesus, but his place in our worship, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. You ever, you ever watch, I don't know, maybe if, if, if you live in England, maybe this would be a possibility if you get an audience with the queen, but uh, at least in, in, in more medieval times, when you'd be in the presence of somebody that would be of a king or a queen of some sort of high authority, what would they do? They would kneel before him, kind of do this and, and stand up. That, that's an expression of allegiance. That's an expression of, of, of submitting. That's an expression of obedience. Every knee, everybody, including those who do not confess him, ultimately will have to bow their knee before Jesus. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord, even those that refuse up to that point. This is the Jesus who we worship. So one thing the ascension does, it points it to the place until he returns again, that everlasting life afterwards, that we are in worship of Jesus as part of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, John chapter 16, let's kind of change gears here for a second. A couple more things I want to highlight about this. John chapter 16. So, Jesus at the right hand of the Father is an authority and power. Jesus at the right hand of the Father is our mediator. He's our intercessor. And Jesus is worthy of our worship. John chapter 16, verse number 5. But now I am going to him who sent me. So this is Jesus, and he's talking about that he's going to leave and ascend to heaven. 
This is before the crucifixion. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. So Jesus is talking about these things are going to happen. And if they're starting to connect a little bit, wait a minute, he's, he's literally talking about dying. And he's also literally talking about that he's going to leave. So sorrow, for those that are understanding a little bit, is starting to grip their hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, what would be the advantage of Jesus not being here physically? Well, it's because of the Holy Spirit. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Who's the helper? That's the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So the Bible says that when Jesus ascends and he leaves at that time who is sent to us the holy spirit and the holy spirit is sent into the world and all of a sudden the activities of the holy spirit which are many fold we're not going to get into all of them today but they're many fold including conviction in the world concerning uh, what it means for our salvation and regeneration and all sorts of things right but jesus leaves now here's the thing when jesus was here he was a person, right? That's pretty obvious. But as a person, you can only be in one place at one time. So if Jesus was by Galilee, he was there. If Jesus was traveling Jerusalem, that's where he was. It was very local. God in flesh was local. Now, in the Old Testament, there, there uh, are times where it talks about the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God resting on a person. You can see it with some of the prophets, some of the judges like Samson. Even early in the New Testament, it says the same sort of thing, like uh, the, the parents of John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit rested upon them. They prophesied about stuff. So the activity of the Holy Spirit before Jesus ascended was very specific to certain individuals. It wasn't worldwide, okay? And then Jesus is here, again, very local. But one of the great benefits and why it's a benefit to everybody that Jesus has ascended into heaven is because the Holy Spirit comes and his activity is worldwide touching every single person. Amen. So it's kind of like this. When Jesus says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, when he says things like, I will be with you always, even to the very end of the age, this is fulfillment of those kind of statements. You, listen, you are never alone. Know that. You could live by yourself in a cave, cut off from the rest of society, and some of you would like, sign me up, please, okay? You could do that, right? But you are never alone. How many of you ever been to Hockey Hills? And there's this old man's cave. You ever, you ever walk down through it? It's really pretty down there. And it's just, you've been there, so it's, it's kind of cut out. It's not like a cave you walk in, but a cut out in the rock. And it's apparently this guy, this old man, lived there himself for many, many years, okay? That guy may have been alone, but he really wasn't alone. 
There is never a time in your life when God is not with you in some capacity. You know that. Before your salvation, he's working in the world bringing conviction in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment, as we were just saying. After salvation, he is resident within you. He is there. Greater is he that is where? Than he that is where? In the world. So when we say there's nothing too big for you because of Jesus that is actually active in you because of the activity of the Holy Spirit, who he sent as going to the Father. And the Bible says that he was sent, again, in the name of Jesus, authority and power. Actually, let's talk about how personal this is. 1 Corinthians chapter number 3. Uh, scratch that. Let's just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'll skip the chapter 3 one. How, how about 1 Corinthians chapter number 6? And we'll, ver we'll go to verse 18. But here's something I say to you a lot. I, and again, I say things um, consistently because I do it purposely because I want it to get in your head. God is intensely personal to you. God is intensely, God is not a distant and aloof from you. God is intensely, intensely personal. He's intentionally personal through the activity of the Holy Spirit. So much so, watch what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 18. This is, this is Paul warning about sexual immorality, but watch what he says. Verse 18, flee sexual immorality, which we should do. Amen. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. So the sins that we do, again, Paul is writing that they have an outward thing, but a, a sexual sin is not just a sin committing in violation of the law of God, but you are actually sinning against your personal body what Paul's saying here. And what are sexual sins? Well, we could talk about that for a while. But watch why he says that. Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body or with your body. You see that? How personal is God with you? So much that his spirit resides in you that makes you a temple. Think about that. Now, he's drawing on Old Testament uh, imagery and what was there. It was the temple. Then within then the temple was the most holy place, which was guarded by the curtain. And the presence of God resided with the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy place, right? When Jesus died, remember that the earthquake and all that happened? And the curtain was split in two. And we talked about this last week. Now we have free access to the presence of God. And there's different ways of looking at this, but there's another way of seeing that is the fact that at salvation, the Holy Spirit resides in you in regeneration, right? Making you like the temple where the presence of God resided in the most holy place. The Holy Spirit's within you. That's why sexual sin, you're actually sinning against your own body, which is violation of being a temple of God. You know anything about Roman temples uh, to, to, the, to the Roman gods? There was all sorts of sexual activity to happen at these places. 
shrine prostitutes and things like this. God says there should be no sexual sin in accordance to my temple. It's one example of what it means. I am a, you have to think, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit resides in me. Amen. That's how personal God is with you. Think about that. Intensely personal. Right in here. That he resides and he's with you. So God is always with you. So I'm standing here. Is God with me? Yep. I walk over here. Is God with me? Yep. When I go home and get in the car with my wife, is God with me? Thank you, Jesus. He's with me even with her. All right. We go home today and we eat. While I'm eating, is God with me? Yep, and then whatever I do, guaranteed this afternoon at some point, I'll probably take a nap. God's with me. Almost every Sunday night, we'll probably, tonight, we go for a walk in a place called Twelve Parks, about a three-mile walk. We'll go take a walk tonight. God's with us, right? When I go to work tomorrow, is God with me? Yep, when, when I meet with whoever I'm going to meet with in my office tomorrow, is God with me? If I go see a movie, the movie theater tomorrow night, is God with me? Yeah, he's with me. Think about that, though. He's with you when nobody else is with you. The Holy Spirit is present as in you at all times. So two things. A, be confident. Back to last week. Be confident because what is in you is enough. It's actually greater. But also should make you think, what am I doing with this temple? How, what am I doing? Am I living according to what it means that I am a temple of God? See what I'm saying? You should think about these things, okay? So God is with me, and he is with me always. So he is our helper personally. He is our strength personally. He is our guide personally. He's the one who convicts. Have you ever gone to do something or, or, and all of a sudden you just felt a, a check right here? And you go, yeah, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, that's conviction that's coming from where? Right here. Because the Holy Spirit, he brings conviction. Listen to it. How often does the Holy Spirit try to lead us who's residing in you and you ignore it? Right? How often is he giving wisdom, right? And, and you ignore it. The Holy Spirit is to help you. That is the activity of the Holy Spirit who is sent to us as our benefit because Jesus ascended is sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. Okay. One more point about this, and we'll get to the end today. Acts chapter number 1. You never have to ask the question, where did God go? By the way, have you ever felt like God, have you ever, uh, this is more of a, I don't know, a christian way of saying it. Maybe you understand what I'm saying. Have you ever felt like you were dry and, and God wasn't with you? How many you ever felt like that? Was that true? No. Remember, don't live by your emotions and what you feel. Live by your faith and what you understand in revelation by faith. So even in a time that I may feel like I'm in a dry time, again, a, a kind of a christian way of talking about that, 
I always think I feel dry, but you know what? The Holy Spirit's with me. He hasn't checked out. He hasn't left. He's not taking a vacation. He is always with me, even when I don't feel it. He's always there. All right, Acts chapter uh, number 1, chapter 1, verse number 11. Again, this is right at the time of the ascension. This is after Jesus tells them that they would be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. Samaria, not Samaria, Samaria. He told them to wait for the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is power to be witnesses. That happens in Acts chapter 2, so if you want to read on later about that. So verse number 11, it says, it's an angel talking to those that just saw Jesus ascending. It says, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? So Jesus ascends, and they're just kind of like, what in the world? That's crazy. As we read in Luke, they're worshiping him, but they're kind of, they're kind of looking around. The wonder just happened. And he says, this Jesus who was taken from you into heaven, now watch this, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. See, the same Jesus who left physically is the same Jesus who will return again physically. Amen. He came, God in flesh, to inaugurate the kingdom, to fulfill the law and the prophets, to defeat sin, death, to the cross, and his resurrection. He ascends, but he will come again to fully bring in finality the kingdom of God and finish the work. See, in believing in the ascension of Jesus... It is then faith and the great hope that he will come again. His first coming is noticed of his second coming. So James chapter 5. A couple more verses and, and we'll take communion together this morning. James chapter 5. In verse number seven, it's a good word for us right here. It says, be patient, therefore, brothers, sisters, until the coming of who? The Lord, that's Jesus. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is what? Is at hand. That we should always be ready for the return of Jesus, being patient, persevering, waiting for him, because we believe that he is going to come again. You want to see a glimpse of what that's going to look like? How about this? Revelation chapter 19. Verse number 11. We, we, were, we were in this at the end of our series on Revelation on Wednesdays a little while ago. Revelation 19, 11. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and the one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like the flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems or crowns. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and, and the name by which he is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, 
which was to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the, he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh were written the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's Jesus coming again. And he will come to judge justly. He will come to bring the kingdom and set it up in finality. And our final reward with the resurrection of our physical bodies like him will reign with him for eternity. Amen. Jesus ascends, but he's coming back again. So I, I, I've told you before about that little metal, uh, I don't know what you call it, it has a stance. And it says, and I, when my grandparents passed away, I, I got, it was in my grandparents' living room. And uh, I wanted it. So I have so many cousins, and, and they were all local, so they were all able to come and take a couple things. And I was one of the last ones there, but it was still there, and I knew my sister wanted it. So, so I beat my sister out. Amen. And I got this. Someday I'll give it to her. Probably not. So um, I'm the youngest. So the youngest has to get something sometime. You know what I'm saying? Um, but on it, on it says, perhaps today. Perhaps today. It's talking about the return of Jesus. Perhaps this. So sitting in my office on one of my shelves, and almost every day I see it, it says, perhaps today. It's reminding me, today Jesus may return. Live today like Jesus might come back today. Because he is coming again. He ascends. He's our intercessor. He's our mediator. The Holy Spirit comes to be with us always. But he's going to come back and finish everything he started. Do you believe? Do you believe? Amen. I believe. So at this time, what I'd like to do is close out our service with communion. So if the ushers, if you can come and bring the tables out. In actuality, whenever we partake of communion together, it's, it's really the high point of our worship. As Jesus broke the bread and, and shared the cup with those that were with him before his crucifixion, he's kind of reorienting the Passover and the great story of the exodus of Israel from Egypt. And we believe and, and call this the table of the Lord. It's a table of remembrance. The things on it that symbolize the body and the blood of Jesus that are born of love and grace and mercy. It's a table of invitation to come and partake. So, so maybe you've come many times before, I encourage you to come again, or maybe you've never been, I encourage you to come now. Now, as there's a high point of worship, I believe the Lord will meet us here as we remember what he has done for us. Broken body, shed blood, but his triumph in our victory. Broken body and shed blood. His triumph, our victory. Amen. So if you would like to, you don't have to, but if you would like to this morning, I pray that on your way here this morning that you examine yourself and, and, and bring yourself before the Lord. 
come in the middle aisle, take it back to your seat. In a moment, we'll partake together. But prayerfully, respectfully come this morning and, and grab the elements and we'll partake together in just a moment. If you're, if you're live streaming, you may participate at home. I encourage you to grab whatever's by and participate with us today. broken body and shed blood. The mighty work of God coming flesh to this earth. The incarnation. Jesus has come to do the work so we can be free of our sins. There's something I want you to get in your heart and your mind that we're not just free from the penalty of our sins in him. But we're free to live new life too. We're not just saved from our sins, we're saved to a new life. That's what this means. We find new life in the cross of Jesus, finished with the resurrection of Jesus. When sin is defeated, the enemy is judged, and we can live in the life that he intends. Lord, we thank you for your broken body, that you became obedient even to death upon a cross, as we read in Philippians chapter 2 this morning. We thank you for your willingness to be our substitute, to pay the penalty for sins that you did not commit because of your great love for us. And Lord Jesus, this morning we partake of this bread in remembrance of the suffering of your body. Partake together this morning, the brain. But Lord Jesus, the, the result of the broken body was shed blood. In fulfillment of, of the laws of God, the scriptures, that the shedding of blood is necessary for the remission of sins. We thank you for that. 
that we stand in and under the blood of Jesus in forgiveness, justified, working, sanctified. Lord, that we don't have to live in condemnation for our past. We don't have to live in shame for our past. But we stand completely forgiven in you. So we thank you for the shedding of your blood. We partake of the cup this morning in remembrance of that. Partake of the cup together this morning. Now, if you would, we'll just, I just want you personally to raise your hands up and just thank him for what he's done for you. We praise you this morning and we worship you, Jesus. For the work of the cross, for what you continually do for us in mediation and intercession, Lord. That you're active in us through the work of the Holy Spirit, we thank you. Thank you for forgiving my sins, your patience, your mercy, your grace for me. Thank you. Thank you for always being with me through the ups and the downs of my life. I thank you, Lord. And we long for your return. Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Jesus. And power and authority come and set this world right. And we worship you today because you're you are highly exalted. You are worthy of all of our worship. You're worthy. And we praise you today, but we, we consecrate ourselves to each day live in a worshipful way to you. For your glory and your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being with us today. If you want prayer about anything this morning, it doesn't matter what it is. If you want uh, somebody to join in prayer, come on down. We'd love to pray with you today. If not, we'll see you Wednesday night. We're going to keep on in our series about words. Uh, or next Sunday, be blessed. Invite somebody out with you to church. We'd love to have them. Thank you, boys.